This message is from Living Rock Church, and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned, and encouraged as you listen today. Thank you, Chris. Well, great to be together. Great to see you. Um, I know we've been very much in the zone this morning. I'd love you to just to say hello to somebody and um, let's, just, let's just have a bit, of, a bit of life bubbling in the room. That would be excellent. If you're sitting near somebody that you uh, don't recognize, please introduce yourself. And then if you turn, please, to Matthew chapter 6. We'll read the the relevant verses and then then just uh, say something about Matthew's gospel again. Matthew 6, verse 1. Our great um, theme for this year is Thy Kingdom Come. And um, when you you read these opening chapters of Matthew, you find that Matthew is introducing us to a new king and a new kingdom. In chapter 1, he gives this genealogy of Jesus, who he says was the son of David. Things keep appearing. Um... And he comes as the son of David to claim the throne. And then in chapter 2, we read that other kings, Magi and and Herod himself, are either in awe or in fear of Jesus. He is king of kings. In chapter 3, John the Baptist, preparing the way for Jesus, says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And uh, then in chapter 4, Jesus uh, goes around and begins to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And then in chapters 5 and 6 and 7, there's a a whole series of teachings and statements and revelations from Jesus, which essentially tell us how radically different the kingdom of heaven is. So in um, chapter 5, at least half a dozen times, Jesus says... You've heard that it was said this, but now I say this. And he's turning, uh, turning his listeners away from something they've previously grasped to some new revelation about the kingdom of God. It's not like this, it's like this. And then uh, that brings us into chapter 6, where we've described these kingdom basics, kingdom 1, 2, 3, because Jesus talks now about giving to the needy, And then about prayer and about uh, fasting, and we've taken those in different orders and we've added in being devoted to the Word. But uh, what we wanted to do at the start of this year was just say, here's some really basic disciplines and practices of the Kingdom of Heaven. So today it's my privilege to talk about giving to the needy. I'm going to actually talk a bit more widely than that, to talk about giving. But this is what Jesus says, Matthew 6. Be careful... Not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not Let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Adam, if you could put the the verses up. There we go, keep going. 
Uh, and then look at this one. This is from 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. God loves, this is the Amplified Bible, God loves, brackets, he takes pleasure in and he prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. I think that's a fantastic verse, isn't it? God loves He takes pleasure in, he prizes above other things, and he's unwilling to abandon or to do without. Do you know, this seems to say God can't do without cheerful givers. A cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. And that's what I want us to look at today. This is the kingdom that we've been born again into. And our heart cry this year is, thy kingdom come. We want to be those who seek first his kingdom and put King Jesus first in all things. And we want to embrace everything and anything that will extend and enlarge and expand his kingdom. And so when we talk this morning and when we talk at any time about giving... First of all, it's not to cajole or twist your arm. We wouldn't do that. It's not because um, God or the church needs your money. We don't. It's not because we're not already a very generous people. We are. It's all about the king and his kingdom. It's about releasing us into greater blessing than ever. And when we talk about giving, and especially when I talk about giving this morning, it's not only or or even mainly about money I'm speaking about. It's about everything. It's about a new way of thinking. It's about a transformed lifestyle and a, if I could put it this way, a kingdom culture. That's what I really want us to grasp this morning. This is not about more coins in the offering basket. It's about a way of thinking. It's about a culture that the Lord wants to pervade his kingdom. In Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8, I think this scripture's up there as well. There we go. Jesus says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons... Freely you have received. Freely give. He's talking about giving and there's no mention of money in there at all. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons because you've received freely. So be free in your giving. If you could put the next one up. um, uh, Sorry, just, just go to the next one as well, would you? That one. Hope you can see that. That's me in the middle, or you. And there's some suggestions of all the things we can be giving. It includes money, kindness, possessions, talents, patience, forgiveness, love, encouragement, gifts, skills, support, peace, loyalty. I think that covers them all. That's me in my life. And the Lord wants me to give. Wants us to give and be givers. Um, if you would uh, just go back, uh, Adam, sorry, I did, I confused you there. The, this, this giving that we're talking about this morning it is a hallmark of the kingdom. You, Jesus went around um, to proclaim this message and to freely give because they'd freely received. And right at the beginning of the year, we, we said we'd talk today about how to give lavishly. So I've, I've looked up that word. It's a great word. It's not, I don't think, a biblical word, but it's like a lot of biblical words. And this is how lavish is defined in the dictionaries. Characterized by or produced with extravagance and profusion. Immoderate. I like that. Lavish is the opposite of moderate. Okay. Immoderate in giving or bestowing. Unstinting. To give or bestow in abundance, to shower, to bestow profusely, give in large amounts, have a very rich and expensive quality. 
marked by profusion or excess. And in the right circumstances, that kind of excess is very kingdom. The Bible instructs us to sow generously. And that word has has similar meanings. It comes from a word which means blessing, benediction, consecration, benefit, and has the sense of springing out of unconditional love. Springing out of unconditional love. I want us to grasp this morning that in the kingdom of God, the, the king wants us to be lavish in our giving because it springs out of having received and wanting to give unconditional love. That's kingdom giving. That's the kind of giving I want us to talk about today. So first of all, lavish giving starts with lavish receiving. You know, there is a very real sense in which, especially if you look at these verses in Matthew 6, and you look at the interesting order of this teaching. He talks about giving to the needy. Then he talks about prayer, teaches them the Lord's Prayer. Then he talks about fasting. Then he goes back to talking about treasures in heaven. Then he talks about not worrying. And it's interesting, isn't it? Right at the start of this this chapter of these teachings about how to... um, How to do good things, acts of righteousness, he calls them. How to live a righteous life. The first thing he talks about is giving. It's almost as if giving and giving to the needy, which is the particular thing he's talking about here, is the the kind of the starting point. It's almost as if if we don't embrace the basic principles of giving, we'll never really do the other things. If, If I can't give 50 pounds away... How would I ever go without food for three days? Or devote time to prayer and reading the Word. I have to, there has to be something about me which is willing to give and give of myself. And I wonder whether that's why Jesus starts his teaching with giving. So everything seems to start with giving, but actually it really all starts with receiving. With receiving. Freely you have received. Therefore, freely give. Or to put it another way, all our giving starts with God's lavish giving. God's lavish giving. In Romans 8, Paul says, If God is for us, who can be against us? The, um, the, the other verses we heard earlier on from Alex about height and depth and Uh, from the same passage. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously, let me just insert my own brackets, lavishly give us all things? We have received And before we gave or give anything, we've received everything. Before we can be givers, we are receivers. We only have anything to give because we have received everything we have. And if you and I are going to give lavishly, it starts by knowing that we have already received lavishly. We must see how blessed we are. God has given unconditionally, generously, lavishly, and therefore we are a rich and abundant source. If you could put that next one up again, Adam. You and I are a rich and an abundant source of all good things to those around us. We have received and therefore we can and should give. Just have a look at that picture. Just put yourself in the middle of it. Just for a moment, begin to count your blessings. He's given you. He's given you. He's given you. You've received peace. You've received joy. You've received grace into your life. You've received gifts and talents. You've received friendship. You've received all those things and many more. 
and you, friends, are such a rich and abundant source of all good things to many, many, many people around you. The thing for us is not just to give, but to become givers. And there's a difference. You see, I can give as an act. I can give as a, as a one-off or as a, as a many-off. But that's still different to something happening inside me that turns me into a giver. I can tithe, but God wants me to be a tither. God wants us to be givers. He wants to be able to cut us at any point. And everything within us, all the rings, say giver, giver, giver. This man is a giver. This woman is a giver. He wants every aspect of our lives to manifest that characteristics. We are givers. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And God gives to us because he is a giver. He loves us because he is love. He is a lover. He rules because he is the king. He judges because he is just and fair. And he gives because he's a giver. It's constant, it's eternal, it's never changing. He doesn't choose whether or not to be good or kind or gracious or just or loving. He always is. And he is always giving. And God wants us to be just like him. He wants us to be givers. He wants us to embrace a whole life way of thinking, um, uh, to to sort of acknowledge the, the genes that are within us now that we're born again, and say, I am a giver. If you turn with me to Acts chapter 3, I'm sure you're really familiar with these verses, but I just feel in just a few words this is the heart of the heart of kingdom giving this is the story of peter and john on their way to the temple where they meet the man who was born lame and taken every day there to beg and you know the verse as well and in verse 6 peter says silver or gold i do not have it wasn't about money with with peter at this moment but what i have i give you Do you know, you can be at work tomorrow morning and if you can live with that heart and attitude, what I have, I give. What I've received, I'm going to give away today. All those things inside that circle and all the others that weren't in there, all of those things that you've lavishly received and you're sitting at your desk tomorrow in your classroom tomorrow and you know what? God's placed you there because what you have is to give away. Silver or gold, it may not be, it may be, it may not be, but whatever you have, give it away. We're to be givers by nature, because that alone will release all the other characteristics that God longs to see in our lives. So, after that introduction, I'm going to want to say, tell you five things about givers. And uh, the first is that givers honor God. And you know, in fact, all our giving should be underpinned by a, a way of life that acknowledges God as our source and ourselves simply as stewards. A way of life that acknowledges God is our source. He's the one from whom we've received lavishly. All that we have is not ours as owners, But ours as stewards, we hold it lightly. Givers honor God, and the journey from being simply a receiver to becoming a giver, I think, involves the basic honoring of God with our tithes and our offerings, which are our acts, part of our acts of worship. Now, here's the thing. God is not a creditor or a bailiff that demands repayment. God is not a a landlord who's charging us rent 
to live in his kingdom. And God is not a waiter hoping for a tip. God forbid. He is God who gives. And he deserves to be honoured. He's the God who gives. He's not the bailiff. He's not the landlord. He's not the waiter. He's the God who gives. And he deserves to be honoured. Our tithing is a tenth given to God. The first tenth. And I think if we're not sure about this, we won't be sure about many things. Our offering is our free will expression of our love and our worship. And I, um, I asked Caleb to copy some DVDs that we did at the start of the year where um, it lasts about 15 minutes, this. It's called I Love Tithing by me. <laughs> I love tithing. And um, these, there are 10 reasons on there why I love tithing. And if anybody would like one of those DVDs... Um, it's got 50 minutes, you'd like to listen to that and know why I love tithing. I'd just be very blessed for you to do that. Um, Deborah and I began tithing 27 years ago. It's probably 28 now. And um, I'm going to tithe until I die. Until every, every day that I have breath, I'll be tithing. Because it's the right thing to do. It honors God. It's not an Old Testament law. It's an eternal principle. So you find that Abel in Genesis 4 bought the fat portions from the firstborn, the firstfruits. And Hebrews 11 says that by faith Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain and was commended as a righteous man. In Genesis 14, hundreds of years before the law, uh, Abraham is, um, is victorious in battle and he meets Melchizedek who's a type, a shadow of Christ and he gives him a tenth of everything. In Genesis 28, Jacob has that encounter with God, this fantastic moment where he he sees this ladder extending between earth and heaven, and then he makes this vow when he realizes this is an awesome place. This is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. He calls the place Bethel, which means the gate of heaven. And he says, if God will be with me on my journey and look after me, then then just like my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac, then he will be my God. And the first thing he says he'll do is, I will give him a tenth of everything. You won't find a man or a woman of God in the Old Testament used of God who didn't embrace that principle. Jesus tells us to give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Well, actually, it's all God's. He only asks for a tenth back. In Matthew 23, Jesus says, you're you're careful. He's talking to the Pharisees. He says, you're very careful to tithe even your tiniest income from your herb gardens. You can imagine them, can't they? Whenever I see one of those trays of cress... This verse always comes to my mind. All these little stalks of Christ. And I just imagine these Pharisees counting out the one-tenth that were going to be gods, you know. And Jesus says, you know, you're very careful to do all that, but don't forget the, the important aspects of the Lord. Justice, mercy, and faith. They were so legalistic in their tithing. And he says, you should tithe, yes. But don't neglect those other matters of justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes. Who'd like a copy of this DVD? Hands up. In fact, honey, could you give those out? Thank you very much. Keep your hands high. It's a a great great DVD. Um, And on there, uh, I just talk about the fact that tithing is eternal. Tithing is so simple. Tithing is honorable. Tithing supports people God's way. Tithing fuels the mission because the church becomes healthy and the offering is free to do the stuff. Tithing releases blessings because God says he's going to open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing we won't be able to contain it. Tithing protects me because God promises to rebuke the devourer. Tithing brings peace. Tithing brings simplicity and integrity to my life. Tithing releases me, breaks the power of greed so I start to trust God. And tithing is the right thing to do. I was hoping as I advertised the DVD, more and more hands would be going up. But uh, um, Tithing is not giving in the strict sense, because it already belongs to God. But as I bring my tithe, here's the thing, folks. It changes my heart 
and it releases me to give. Tithing is fantastic. And then I give my offerings. And um, I seek in my offerings to be honorable in the amount I give to God because it is also an act of worship. Annie looks good with that basket there, sort of giving out the stuff, doesn't she? <laughs> giving out the goodies. Two more to go. Two more left. Oh, wow. None for Tamworth. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Do you know, when I, when I review my outgoings at the end of the month, I want to feel that God has been more worshipped than Costa Coffee and Starbucks and View Cinema or Nando or wherever it is. I want to I review my outcomes, my outgoings, after my tithe. And look at the rest of my outgoings and say, God was honoured with my offering. So that's the first thing. I don't, um, I don't give in that sense to reap, although that happens. I don't, I don't give to get. I don't, I don't do that in order to get something back. That's a fantastic, gracious consequence. I tithe and I give my offerings because it honors God. Givers honor God. And then secondly, givers meet needs. And this is the particular thing that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6, when you give to the needy. I thought about this. It's a funny word, isn't it? The needy. I think the needy are anybody who needs what I've got. I can meet the needs of the needy by giving to anybody who needs what I have. And it could be any of those things within that circle and all the others that weren't in there. Giving to meet needs... um, requires a moving of the heart that's part of becoming a giver. It's one of the things that happens when we begin to honor God. Um, In uh, Proverbs 22, verse 9, it says, The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. And in the Amplified, it, it puts it this way. He who has a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he gives his bread to the poor. And that's a great phrase, a bountiful eye. The Lord is looking for bountiful eyes. I don't really know what that means, to be honest. I just like the phrase. I think it means our giving must involve our hearts, not just our hands. Must involve our will not just our wallet. It's a deep thing. God wants us to have a heart for those in need. In the book of Job, um, somewhere in the dialogue of Job with his friends as he's, as he's wondering what's happening to him, and he at one point starts to um, reminisce about his, what his life used to be like, And we know that um, Job was respected at the city gates. He says, when I I open my mouth, princes put their hands to theirs because they they wanted to listen to what I had to say. He was a a very honored, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Respected, that'll do, man. But this is what he also says. He says, when I was in my prime, you find this in Job 29, When I was in my prime, God's friendship was felt in my home. All who saw me spoke well of me, for I assisted the poor in their need and the orphans who required help. I helped those without hope, and they blessed me. And I caused the widow's hearts to sing for joy. I served as eyes for the blind and feet for the lame. I was a father to the poor and I assisted strangers who needed help. In the next chapter he says, Did I not weep for those in trouble? Was I not deeply grieved for the needy? You know, helping the poor is very close to God's heart. He instructs that some of the tithe be used for that purpose. There's something very precious about God-inspired, heartfelt giving that reaches out with love to meet the needs of others. 
And Jesus, in the passage that we started with in Matthew 6, says, you know, when you do this, don't make a big display of it. Don't do it, don't do it to show off. Don't do it, don't do it to look good. Um, the message puts it this way. Be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theatre, but the God who made you won't be applauding. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks, just do it quietly, unobtrusively. That's the way your God who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. You know, our giving shouldn't draw attention to the people that receive what we give. If, if God knows you have a need, he works behind the scenes to meet your need without embarrassing you in any way. And I think that's kind of what this verse is saying here. Our giving to the needy shouldn't draw attention to their need. And, and in fact, you know, we have an audience of one who watches everything that we do. And it's exactly what Jesus says. He watches, he'll reward you. Giving to those in need ensures our own needs are met. In fact, Proverbs says those who give to the poor will lack nothing. Uh, the giving to the poor will keep you from poverty. The one who gives to the poor will not be in need. There's something in our giving that also um, it protects our own lives. But there's much more to it than that. Giving to the needy actually is integral to our very salvation. You remember the story in, in Matthew 25 where the rich young man comes to, um, uh, comes to see Jesus and he says, you know, I've kept all the commandments, Lord, all the laws, I've kept them all. Um, what do I still lack? And Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. At the end of Matthew's gospel, he, he teaches them um, about the, 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 the last days, and he says, um, every time you fed one of these, or clothed one of these, or, or visited one of these in prisons, you did it for me. There's something integral to our salvation about wanting to meet the needs of those who need what we have, isn't there? And our tithes and our offerings obviously form part of that. It's part of how we use the tithe and offering, I think if you were in the meeting with us um, uh, last week, midweek, we were saying we, we gave away 20% of our income last year. So if you're, part of, if you're part of giving into this church, you're part of meeting the needs of others in that way. But there's also something fantastic and, and, and joyous and, and rewarding, and, and that is the right word to use, about simply doing some things behind the scenes. Letting God speak to you about a need and meeting the need and knowing that nobody saw except your Father in heaven who loves what he saw and wants to bless you and reward you. So givers meet needs. Givers also, and this is obviously part of it, refresh others. Generous, lavish givers look for opportunities simply to refresh and bless others. And I made this a separate point because sometimes you may not even be aware of a need. But you simply want to bless somebody, refresh somebody. Proverbs 11 says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Over many, many, many years of being in churches where these principles have been believed and practiced, Deborah and I and our family have known so many times where needs have been met. And it's brought us, you know, incredible um, tears at times and humility and, and, and the sense that God knew our need. And he spoke to this person about it. And they listened and obeyed and our need was met. It's fantastic. And I know many of us can say, you've also experienced that. And then there have been other times where 
Um, well, we, obviously we had a need, but we weren't so much aware of the need. We just knew we were receiving blessing and refreshing. And it's wonderful. And this is the kingdom of God. This is, this is the kingdom culture. This is the heart of God because God doesn't simply meet our needs. He goes over and above in blessing us. You've heard me say this before, but when, when Jesus fed 5,000 and had seven or 12 baskets left over, and then he fed 4,000, he had another X number of baskets left over, it wasn't that he miscalculated. He's demonstrating. I meet needs and I go beyond that. There's leftovers. There's plenty to go around. He's a God of superabundance. Let's build a church together, folks, where God is honored, where needs are met, and where we experience the sheer joy of simply being blessed and refreshed. Sound good? Number four, nearly there. Did I say I've got 57 of these points? <laughs> Givers never outgive God. Bit of a cliche, this, isn't it? You can't outgive God, but it's so true. The reason it's true is because God has built into the very structure of the universe a law, a principle, a truism that when we sow, we reap. And what we sow, we reap. And how we sow, we reap. So we can never, ever, ever outgive God. Because in all our giving, there will, in all our lavish giving, there will be lavish receiving. So we receive lavishly, we give lavishly, we receive lavishly, we give lavishly, we receive lavishly, we give lavishly, we sow generously, we reap generously, we sow generously, we reap generously. And again, folks, this is not just about money. This is about a whole way of thinking. It's about everything that we are and have and possess. Proverbs eleven twenty four. If you want to make a note of the scriptures, you can have a look at all of these later. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. And another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. I, I hope you don't think the Proverbs kind of were things that worked in the ancient days. These proverbs are as true and, and sharp today as ever. This is true today. If you give freely, you'll gain even more. If I withhold unduly, I'll come to poverty. Galatians 6, verse 7, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. goes on to say, Let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up may not happen instantly. There may be some persevering in it, but if we keep sowing, we will reap. Luke 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You know, you press something down, you shake it together to get as much in as you can. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Genesis 8. Didn't think I'd go there, did you? Ah. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest will never cease. Built into the very structure of the universe. A law designed to bless us. A principle designed to encourage us to be lavish in our giving. For he wants us to receive lavishly. Let me now read you the, the, if you could turn to these in 2 Corinthians, but I'm going to read from the Amplified, which is where that reference earlier on came from. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse uh, 6. I've got one more point after this. So, listen if you prefer it. It won't 
quite sound like yours. Remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously, that blessings may come to someone, will also reap generously and with blessings. Let each one give as he's made up his own uh, as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, he prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing, come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. As it's written, he, the benevolent person, scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. And God, who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating, will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Thus, you will be enriched in all things and in every way, so that you can be generous and your generosity, as, is, as it is administered by us, will bring forth thanksgiving to God. That's a mouthful, isn't it? That's the Amplified. I had a, a little um, thought this morning. That was a breakthrough. <laughs> Took two cup of teas, mind. And um, I think sometimes we we may be held back in our giving because we imagine that we're standing in a reservoir with limited resources. And that if we give, it will somehow diminish our own supply. Or my portion will be used up. Or that I have some kind of limited amount. But we're not. We're standing under a waterfall. And there's a constant flow into our lives. I don't have a limited amount. I don't have a defined limited portion. My supply will not run out. If I give, I will not be, I will not be reduced in any way. I have a God who gives. And He is a lavish giver. And I'm standing under a waterfall, not in some kind of pond. And He will keep on giving so I can keep on giving. This is not just about money. These are principles that apply to the whole of our lives. And these principles mean that if we can let go and embrace a lifestyle of generosity and sowing, we'll become part of this cycle of sowing and reaping and generosity and enlargement and generosity and enlargement. So the last point is this. Givers keep on growing. Jesus spoke in those verses uh, we, we began with and he said, your heavenly father who sees your giving will reward you. And um, I guess it, it'll, take a, it'll take an eternity to understand all those rewards. Obviously, reaping is one of the rewards of sowing. But there are many others. And I just finish briefly with some of these things. Um, that DVD will, it certainly expands on some of these points because they're general principles. Being a giver will bring me into a place of freedom and liberty. It will release me. I start to trust God to meet all my needs. I start to enjoy living under the waterfall. Rather than 
depending upon my own efforts, my own ability. It's the Lord who gives the ability to create wealth that we heard about at the beginning of the meeting. Being a giver brings me into a place of freedom and release and liberty which sets me free. Being a giver means I come under the Lord's covering and protection. I already referred to that. Being a giver means I come into a place of peace. It silences my accuser. That is good. To be in peace. To know you did what you was in your power to do brings great peace. Being a giver opens my life up and this is more powerful than I think any of us realize. Opens my life up to true riches. Turn with me to Luke 16. This is more significant than we realize. Luke 16. You see, the Lord wants to know he can trust us. And the testing ground, again and again and again, the testing ground is how we handle material things. Luke 16, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. God will test you with a little. Pass the test, he'll give you much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? But... If we are faithful and trustworthy in handling all that's within that circle, he will give us true riches, lives, revelation, receiving the kingdom, things that can't be measured or defined, true riches, true spiritual riches. So there's an enlargement, there's an enlarged entrustment Faithfulness with small things always results in a growth, and enlargement. And finally, there is something simply about a larger vision. When I become a giver, I suddenly, well, or gradually, I don't know, my eyes get lifted to a further horizon. My vision is expanded. I become focused now on the things of God, not my own small world. I start to live outwardly, start to live expansively. Matthew 10, Jesus says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, for freely you have received, so freely lavishly, generously, lavishly, generously, lavishly, freely, with peace, with joy, with protection, in freedom, in liberty, let's be givers. How how are we going to give lavishly? Well, believe God is good all the time. Realize how blessed we are. Ask Jesus to set us free in our thinking. Honor God first and foremost, and let's look for ways to meet needs and bless others as part of our way of life. I honestly think, church, if you just put that last one up, there we go. If we can embrace these principles, it will really be fundamentally integral to a being a people transformed being a church that's mobilized, being those who bless the community and embrace the world. So I commend these principles to you. I pray that God will release us, will enjoy standing under his waterfall, knowing that we can give freely 
It's not going to use up all the goodness. All, it's not going to run dry. God has a constant supply for he is such a lavish giver. Why don't we stand in his presence? Father, we thank you that you have graciously given us all things. And I pray, Lord, that across this church, there'll be a growing revelation of how rich we are, how blessed we are, how lavishly you've poured out your goodness into our lives. Lord, you've saved us and done so many other things in our lives as well, and we want to thank you. I want to pray, Lord, for every family, every couple, every family with their children, every couple, every single householder. Lord, that we will know our blessings. We'll know that you've given so we can give. We will know that we are receivers and will desire to be givers. Lord, whatever shift is required in our thinking and our mindset, I pray the shift will take place. And you will release us all into greater liberty and freedom and blessing than we've ever experienced. Lord, may this be a year of great giving. Thanks for listening today. For more information about Living Rock Church and for more great teaching, visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk.